Let's turn to uh, the Gospel of Luke, verses, uh, Luke 1, actually, chapter 1, and then we'll read a good chunk of uh, that chapter, Luke chapter 1, found on page 1456, page 1456. You see there are other verses listed in your bulletin as well, as well as um, one or two that aren't listed there that I've been thinking about and um, ruminating over the last uh, month or so with regard to this sermon series. You can read those at your leisure if you'd like, but today we're going to focus on Luke 1 and reading from verse 5 through verse um, 38, 5 through 38, the beautiful story of um, how John the Baptist's birth is foretold and then Jesus' birth is foretold. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because, well, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make right a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife's well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Amen. Here ends this reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. May he write its eternal truths upon all of our hearts. Amen. Beloved in Christ, the helmet of salvation. A helmet was the last piece of armor that soldiers in ancient times strapped on. Kept them from head injury, brain injury, mind injury. When worn, all that could be seen were eyes, nose, and mouth. A defensive piece of armor against a sky filled with arrows, swords, daggers, javelins, maces, spears, clubs, you name it, when those weapons came against the helmet, the helmet kept the soldier standing upright and able to continue to fight. Today, we probably know most about other type helmets, like football helmets, used to protect the head, the brain, the mind. Protect against many concussions, which are basically head injuries, brain injuries. They protect against many, but not all. We still hear about concussions from the littlest football players all the way to the big pros. We talk about players entering a mandatory concussion protocol after a hard hit to the head. A five or six step protocol, depending what level you're at, they must follow. Sometimes takes weeks before the player can be cleared by the team doctor and by an independent neurologist to resume their normal football full contact intensity. Concussion protocol. Helmets help protect against getting concussed like that. The helmet of salvation in our Advent armor series we've been pairing up different parts of the armor of God from Ephesians 6 with characters in the nativity sequence of stories in the Bible Jesus birth narrative as it were I'd like to suggest that the helmet of salvation was worn in this sequence of true stories worn by an angel an angel named Gabriel Gabriel, at God's command, was about God's business 
of giving ordinary people like you and me, like Zechariah, like Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, giving them, putting on them, as it were, the helmet of salvation. So let's get started. Now, the angel Gabriel, the the messenger angel, makes four, for sure, appearances in the Bible. Mentioned by name four times. He appears a couple of times in the Old Testament book of Daniel, chapters 8 and 9. But we next run across the angel Gabriel twice in a section of Jesus' birth narrative, Luke chapter 1, that we read. And in my opinion, also Luke 2 and Matthew 1 and Matthew 2 as well. Now, just to get it out there, as I said, Gabriel's mentioned by name only two times in the New Testament, right in Luke 1, where we read. But I think that the angel Gabriel is likely also the angel of the Lord who spoke to Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, in Matthew 1 and Matthew 2. And I also happen to think that Gabriel was likely also the one who spoke to the shepherds in Luke 2. I have no scholarly evidence for any of this other than why wouldn't he be the angel that spoke to Joseph and to the shepherds? We're told he spoke to Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, and to the Virgin Mary. So he's definitely around doing his messenger work in Jesus' birth narrative. So why wouldn't he also be the angel that spoke to Joseph and the shepherds? They're obviously part of the birth narrative. So what I'm suggesting is neat and clean and simple. And most of us have messy lives we deal with. So who doesn't like neat, clean, and simple? So just a hunch, and I'm going to go with it this morning, all right? But more importantly, here's the reason I think that we can say that the angel Gabriel wore the helmet of salvation. Now, I don't mean that literally, that he was wearing a helmet with the name salvation etched into it. Nor do I mean that Gabriel needed the salvation of Jesus, that Jesus would come to win on the cross. Human beings, we need salvation. God's righteous angels do not. But what I do think is that Gabriel, standing in God's presence, we read, appearing as God's presence with God's authority behind him, That Gabriel spoke of God's salvation, spoke of its certainty, spoke of its availability, spoke of its infinite value, spoke of its necessity, spoke of its joy and its good news, spoke salvation into the lives of these real Bible characters. And in effect, was putting this gift of the helmet of salvation onto the likes of Zechariah, the Virgin Mary and also Joseph and the shepherds. I say that because of what Gabriel said in these encounters. This messenger angel Gabriel announced the salvation gift of God, who is Jesus, with absolute confidence and certainty. And most importantly, every bit of that salvation certainty that Gabriel announced happened And happened in some cases instantaneously. 
Listen to him. Gabriel appears to Zechariah. Zechariah is shocked and afraid. Of course, he's face to face with an angel from God. And with that, Gabriel says, listen to him now. Your prayer has been heard, Zechariah. He and Elizabeth, his wife, have been praying for a child for years because she is not able to bear children. And now we get this from Gabriel, this incredible string of wills, W-I-L-L, will. Will is a wonderful word. Someone tells you, I will do that for you. That's an answer to prayer sometimes, isn't it? I will put gas in your car, Mom. You don't have to worry about it. Will is a wonderful, relief-bringing kind of word. So we're going to track the word will here. I hope you have, have some of you have your Bibles open. You can track it with us. Verse 13. <clears throat> the angel Gabriel says, Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the disobedient to the right, righteousness. So everyone is ready for the Lord. Did you hear them all? This will, 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 will be happening. Seven times this will happen. Now, Zechariah, righteous, we're told, righteous in the sight of God, a priest, a faithfully praying priest, a servant, a good husband. But right here, right now, in the presence of the angel of the Lord God, which is like being in the actual presence of the Lord himself, Zechariah isn't quite tuned into the will language of the Lord God himself, of the angel Gabriel. Perhaps there were too many broken promises made to him in his life by others. Perhaps his hopes were dashed, his expectations crushed too many times when he thought Elizabeth was pregnant. Turned out she wasn't. Whatever the reason, right here, right now, in the presence of the Lord God, Righteous Zechariah messes up. We're pretty old. So how can I be sure of this? Which is like saying, how can I know this will happen for sure? I have my doubts. And I imagine it this way. Despite this mess-up, which is the way salvation works anyway, it's always despite us, despite our mess-ups, despite our sins, while we were yet sinners, salvation is given to us, Christ died for us. Despite this lack of faith by Zechariah, the angel Gabriel, wearing God's helmet of salvation figuratively, as I explained before, still gives Zechariah his very own helmet of salvation. Because the good news, the angel has been telling Zechariah, is all about the salvation that is about to happen. 
with Jesus soon being born and Zachariah's own son, John the Baptist, will prepare the way. So the angel Gabriel, by the grace of God, still gives Zachariah his very own helmet of salvation. But when he puts it on Zachariah's head, I imagine it this way. He gives it a little extra plunk when he puts it on him. A little extra because guess what happens? For Zachariah's mess up, his lack of faith here, Zachariah enters concussion protocol. And his, it turns out, is a nine-month concussion protocol. What does Gabriel say? You doubt me? He doesn't say that, but you doubt me? I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. On goes the helmet of salvation onto Zachariah's head. But here comes the mandatory concussion protocol, complete with a continuation of that angelic will language. And now, Zachariah, you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. That little extra, and Zachariah is struck dumb, can't speak. He's got nine months to think about what just happened, how he messed up. Nine months, just waiting to tell everybody his baby's name. And finally, the day comes for the naming. The angel told him, your wife will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name John. When he finally writes down that baby's name on his I can't talk tablet, his name is John, exclamation point. Bam! Zachariah can speak again. He's out of concussion protocol. He's cleared for full contact play. And the first thing he does with his newfound voice, with his mouth opened and his tongue set free, he starts praising God. It's one of the earliest ever recorded exits from concussion protocol, and Zechariah does not disappoint. You can read all about it in verses 57 to 80, which we did not read. His helmet of salvation is now strapped on tight as a drum. He's not going to make that mistake again. <sighs> Zechariah. Then there's Mary. She gets a visit from the angel, Gabriel, in this passage also. We read about it, and everything we've said about Gabriel applies in her story. He's in the presence of God, speaking good news from God, strapping on helmets of salvation. It's Mary's turn to get this gracious gift from God. And, and like Zechariah, Mary is just as startled, just as confused, and the angel Gabriel is right back to the will language as he straps on her helmet of salvation. Verse 30, you have found favor with God, Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high because that's who he is. Jesus is God's only begotten son. Gabriel continues, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This will, 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 will be happening. 
Mary responds to Gabriel, the angel. How will this be? Since I am a virgin. Now you might think, why didn't the Virgin Mary have to enter concussion protocol? She's, she seems just as incredulous, disbelieving even, as Zachariah, doesn't she? Hmm. Maybe not. Look again. She says, how will this happen? She didn't say, how can I be sure of this? Or how can I know this will be happening for sure? That was Zechariah. Mary's reply is different. How will this happen? Mary believes it will happen. She just wants a little more information about how it will happen. In other words, she has picked up on the angel Gabriel's certainty and absolute confidence this will happen as he places the helmet of salvation reverently onto Mary's head and her response. You say it will happen. I say so too. It will happen. But please tell me how it will happen. And with her helmet of salvation firmly secured on her head, she listens to Gabriel. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High, that's God, will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then the angel adds as he gets ready to leave, having communicated the good news of salvation, the angel adds, no word from God will ever fail. And her beautiful response, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Isn't this will language of the angel just glorious, beloved? Now, Gabriel, in my opinion, though his name is not stated, Gabriel keeps the will language going when he talks to Joseph in Matthew 1. He says, Mary, your wife, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And there it turns out that will language is God's regularly, regularly used vocabulary. We, we read there, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Years before, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And let's not forget the shepherds. Back in Luke's gospel, Luke 2, an angel of the Lord, gotta be Gabriel, appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And when the rest of the angels finished their praising in the night sky, what did the shepherds say? Let's go. The angel silently, invisibly, at God's direction, I believe, put helmets of salvation on all of those shepherds. And with helmets strapped on tight, off they went to see their salvation. Who is Jesus? To see their salvation in the flesh. Beloved, all these wills from Zechariah to Mary to Joseph to the shepherds, all these wills took place 
all of them virtually immediately or after a nine-month concussion protocol or pregnancy protocol or a short trip to a manger protocol. What did the angel say? No word from God will ever fail. That's the helmet of salvation you and I wear every single day that we must tighten every day. By the way, isn't it something that God sends the angel Gabriel to deliver all this good news of salvation about this little baby who would grow up and die on the cross for our forgiveness, save us from our sins, salvation, and then be raised from the dead for our eternal life, salvation. What a helmet we wear, courtesy of this first coming of Jesus. Isn't it something that Gabriel, an angel, whom the apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, tells us that all the angels, when it comes to salvation, the salvation of us human beings, the salvation of those God gives the gift of faith to that Jesus died and rose for, concerning that very salvation, even angels long to look into these things. Peter said it, and there was Gabriel announcing it, telling it to Zechariah, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds. What a thrill it must have been for him to get this first-hand look into our salvation and say the words God told him to say, no word from God will ever fail, especially not anything having to do with salvation. Here's your helmet. Take it up. Wear it nice and tight. Do you realize, friends, the confidence that wearing this helmet brings to us? Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, the day Jesus returns. That's good to know, isn't it? Especially when we mess up when our faith falters, like Zacharias. God is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the author and finisher of our faith. God is. So wear the helmet of salvation he gave you. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8 tells us, we put on the hope of salvation as a helmet. It says that there. And then it says, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He, he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. That's salvation right there. Awake or asleep. That is, whether we live or whether we die. When we die, we live together with him. We wear that helmet of salvation. It gives us certainty and absolute confidence, not in ourselves, but in Jesus. And you know what else? It protects us against the barrage of what is lobbed at us every day in this world. You turn on the news. There is a volley of filth being reported on 
a volley of filth that is raining down on God's people at every place on this battlefield. We are on a battlefield our whole lives through, and the enemy, Satan, wants nothing more than for what he lobs at us in this battle that is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. Ephesians tells us that. He wants nothing more than for the filth of our culture to be something normalized and that we just come to accept and participate in because, well, it's all around us. And we are told to take up the helmet of salvation to defend against that, to thwart all that. Because God wants his people, people who have been given the helmet of salvation. God wants his people who are saved by Jesus' blood. That's us. God wants his people who are saved to act saved. What a concept. To not participate in the deeds of darkness. No matter how many volleys are aimed straight towards our heads, towards our brains, towards our minds. We wear the helmet recognizing that our minds are to be transformed, renewed, not conformed to the pattern of this world, Romans 12. I don't know about you. I don't care what news you watch whether it comes at you with a bit of a liberal bent or whether it comes at you with a bit of a conservative bent, what you see, however it is portrayed as something good or as something evil, just seeing it, hearing it over and over and over tends to normalize it. And there have been some of you who have said to me, I no longer watch it. I, I can't. I, I won't listen to it. I won't subject myself to it. And right there, friends, is a way to wear the helmet of salvation. Now, make no mistake, we are at war in this world against spiritual forces of evil, and we do need to confront them with the love and good news of Christ, with the certainty of Christ's victory, with our helmets of salvation strapped on tight as a drum, not burying our heads in the sand, no, but to watch the filth over and over and over again on every media and social media platform available is risky even for those who are saved. We are in a great battle. Good news, it's won. Won by Jesus. But for us to be pulled into what the world has been pulled into, that's bad news. That's not where we belong. The front line, yes, absolutely. With battle armor on, including the helmet of salvation defending us, yes. But participating in what's all around us? No. Hard no. You know what God's word tells us, don't you? And it's God's word, so this will happen. No word from God will ever fail. You take that straight from the angel Gabriel's mouth to your ears. Here's what God's word says will happen, and we know it will happen ultimately when Jesus returns. Philippians 1, verse 27. Whatever happens, and let me add these words, between now and then, when he returns, whatever happens between now and then, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Stand firm in the one spirit. 
striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them, you conducting yourselves in this way, you wearing your helmet of salvation. This is a sign to them, those who oppose you, that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. That's what God's word says will happen. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, salvation comes through you alone. Please give us the assurance that we are your children and that you will do all you have set out to do on this earth. In this broken and dying world, remind us of your promises. Help us to renew our minds. Purge any thoughts that are not holy, that are not true. And do equip us for the battlefield of today. Destroy any doubts that may concuss our minds and help us to, to keep our minds on the things of eternity, even amidst the worries and the filth of every day. We love you, Lord, and we are trusting in you today, tomorrow, and always. For Jesus' sake, let all God's people say, amen. Thank you.